Welcome back. We're here again. It's the crease with the house call crew. We got Ian and Joe here bringing you some major NHL action. So let's hit some quick news real quick. Obviously, uh, Tristan Jari has been ruled out until after the All-Star break. Everyone knows that he suffered an injury. Uh, looks like some sort of something, a uh, lower body there against the Bruins in the Winter Classic this year. He has been dealing with that ever since. He's only played 27 games this year, and uh, their pins are currently fourth in the Metro, obviously without Tristan Jari in the net, guarding the crease there. They're not up to snuff uh, where they want to be at right now. And obviously, it's probably going to hurt them if he doesn't come back soon, is able to play up to the standard that they know he's capable of. On the other injury news here, Josh Norris is hurt. Uh, he has been ruled out for the year. Big news there, obviously. You know, not the year he wanted there, Ian. Uh, tell us more about this injury, man. Tough loss. Um, young player. Uh, really good center for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, last year, he put up 30-plus goals. Fantastic first, second-line center. They've got some good center depth there with him and Stutzla. Um, great pickup from the Eric Carlson trade. Just unfortunate, really, because Norris came in. He signed that big eight-year extension in the offseason. He was projected to be an 80-plus, 90-plus point player this year. And just to see him go down like this, suffering the same injury he suffered the last time out, it's highly unfortunate, and I really hope like this doesn't hamper his career for the rest of, well, for the rest of his career. But um, overall, just unfortunate news for him. Unfortunate for the Ottawa Senators. They're not where they want to be right now after acquiring some big pieces in the offseason. Uh, just a lack of cohesion, lack of uh, good coaching in that system. They got stuff to work on, and Norris is just one of those issues with the team. Yeah, I, obviously not what they wanted to see this year, bringing everybody in there. And then Josh Norris, obviously, like you said, big, big part of that team. And he's down for the year now. It's a really unfortunate thing to have happen. But keeping with the injury news going, Austin Matthews, another big name. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's uh, expected to miss a minimum of three weeks due to a sprained knee. Uh, he was voted to the All-Star game and has been replaced <clears throat> in that lineup. They're not expecting him back anytime soon. I mean, three weeks in a hockey thing and the lower body injuries are never good, but you know, Austin Matthews means so much to his team, so much to the Leafs. And obviously, you know, he's one of the the faces of the NHL right now with how good he can be on when he's on the ice for that team. How do you see this hurting the Leafs in the short term? Short term? Um, I honestly don't know how to gauge it. Matthews is such a huge loss for them. He put up last year, he had a historic 60 goal season. First time in a decade that's been done since Stamco did it with the Lightning in 2012. But uh, it's not just the goals and the points with Matthews. He brings a two way, 200 foot, full sheet of ice game. He plays so well at both ends of the rink. He's very solid defensively. Um, he's their best player, uh, reigning MVP. So to lose a guy like this, it's almost. It would be detrimental to a lot of teams, but they've got good pieces in place like William Nylander, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, Morgan Riley, so long as they stay healthy, that the Leafs should stay afloat in the Atlantic division. That division is extremely top-heavy with teams like your Boston Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. Um, So um, they've got good goaltending this year too, something we haven't seen in past years. So I don't think... 
the Leafs drop a ton of games this year, but I you just never know. Losing your face of the franchise, Cornerstone and Austin Matthews always hurt. So it'll be interesting to watch them going forward for the next uh they say minimum three weeks, I'd project maybe five to a month and a half at the very yeah. very least. And and the truth be told, you know, it, it's no one understands exactly how, you know, much cohesion and, and fluidity and like understanding you have to have the person next to you in a line in in hockey and to basically take out a guy who, you know, the surefire scorer, great, just overall hockey player. And like I said, the one of the faces of the NHL, that's a massive gap to fill in any line and any team would be struggling to figure out the best way to do that. The Leafs, they have depth, but nobody is Austin Matthews on that roster. So no. it's going to be definitely interesting to see if they can manage to, to keep things going forward so they can make get him healthy, get him back and make a strong playoff push. And uh, without him, I, I think their Stanley Cup aspirations are significantly hindered. Absolutely. But that's if so, they can get out of the first round. So Yeah, well. <laughs> so let's talk about a team that's, uh, who used to have Stanley Cup aspirations but has since uh, kind of gone to the bottom of the barrel of teams. I'm talking about the Canucks. Of course, they fired their, their coach uh, not too long ago. We'll get into that and, and the – and some other uh, bottom feeder teams of the NHL later. But right now, they just signed a Toshet to a three-year extension worth uh, $2.75 million per year. Uh, do you like the signing with everything else that's going on inside the organization? At this point, I just don't know. Um, Talk, it's a very good head coach. He installs a, de- a very good, strong defensive trapping system that – carried the Arizona Coyotes to a playoff appearance in the bubble in 2020. They got blown out by Colorado, but they got there for the first time in a decade. And um, I like talking as a coach. I think he's a great coach. Um, I'm just more just displeased with the way the Canucks handled it. The way they fired Bruce Boudreau was not, was just unacceptable in my opinion. Uh, They basically told him he was going to get fired and then, um, let him be a lame duck coach for basically half the season before they fired him. And that's a coach that's very well respected throughout the NHL, coach that's loved by the players in that dressing room, um, a coach that the fan base fell in love with. You don't say, Bruce, there it is at your games if the fans don't love him. So I just – I think it's less about talk it. Very good coach in my opinion and just more about the way the Vancouver Canucks handled the situation as a whole for me personally. Yeah. I mean, obviously that got a lot of headlines. The Canucks not doing things the way you should do them. And obviously there's a lot of people who are displeased in that organization, on that team, in that fan base, and in the NHL with the Canucks. And like I said, we'll get into more of that later. Let's look at a trade that happened earlier uh, this week between the Avs and the Sharks. Now, obviously, the Avs, you know, they're trying to to stay relevant, trying to get back to the playoffs, trying to get back to the Stanley Cup. Uh, They acquire Matt Nieto and Ryan Merkley while sending Jacob McDonald and Martin Kaut to the Sharks. Uh, obviously, you know, their head coach just became the winningest coach and uh, their bench coach just became the winningest coach in franchise history. That's a big, big thing for a team that, you know, has been, you know, pretty dominant as of late. And obviously they uh, celebrated that uh, whole thing there. But this was I, we, we discussed this. We thought about talking more about this trade. But honestly, it was just 
kind of mediocre. It was a shifting of depth, and no one really moves yeah. the needle for either of these teams. More or less, it's just kind of shuffling deck chairs. Nieto's been on the team before. He's been with those guys. He knows what the team's about. He's familiar, and it helps. Um, the I'm less interested in him, more interested in Ryan Merkley, um, former first-round pick. Um, the Abs have been kind of successful with reclamation projects. Um, as a Stars fan, I saw what they did with Valerie Nachushkin, who's a former first-round pick, high first-round pick at that. Some regarded him as that he should have been a top 10 pick, ended up going number 13 to Dallas. And I believe it was 2013. But uh, he just didn't fit the system. Abs took him in, and he's become one of the best players in the NHL. Um, so I'm interested to see what they can do with Ryan Merkley. Uh, different player. Merkley's a defenseman. Um, but he's going to be playing sheltered minutes behind guys like Kale McCarr, Devon Taves. Samuel Gerard and that defense they have in Colorado. So I'm interested to see what they've got. Um, going to San Jose, um, Jacob McDonald, kind of just a grinder, fourth-line guy, um, a guy that might show up, play some minutes in the playoffs. I'm not sure. Cout is a guy that's going to get an opportunity in San Jose immediately. Cout, Martin Cout's a former first-round pick. Or, yeah, I believe – yeah, Martin Cout's going to San Jose. Um, first-round yeah. pick – um, he's playing with the Barracuda right now. I don't see that lasting for too long with the way that that roster is arranged. Um, so I'll be interested to see what uh, the Avs do with Merkley and what the Sharks do with Cout. I think it could be interesting. But overall, minor deal. Yeah. I mean, those are the two big names that they were mentioned. I believe those were both first-round picks <laughs> in the same draft, and neither of them lived up to their their hype <laughs> and the things that they were supposed to do. And it's really it's a, a kind right of – another yeah and it's a bummer really when you think about it for for mm-hmm. hockey players i mean like both these guys highly touted highly sought after and they just haven't had the career that you would have expected them to have so it'll be interesting to see like you said where they go from here what happens and, and how it goes but uh minor trade overall sharks are, are kind of middling of the pack right now you know do they make the playoffs do they not it'll be we'll have to wait till the end of the season really to find out the abs right in the race so We'll see who actually wins the trade by the end of the year. It's kind of how you do these things. But let's talk about something. You brought this to my attention, and I think that it's very important, at least for the teams and the fan bases affected. Bali Sports Network, which hosts multiple sports, they host episodes of multiple sports. They, they, they allow you know multiple teams to their home games are televised, away games are televised on these things. They're the corporation and the network that does that. They just filed for bankruptcy. And I know you sent a list of the teams, and it's a decent list, just hockey teams alone. You're talking L.A., Anaheim, Arizona, Dallas, your Dallas Stars. You know, you're going to have to figure out how you're going to watch those guys, depending on how soon this all goes through, if they're even able to keep broadcasting. St. Louis, Minnesota, Detroit, Columbus, Nashville, which is just a couple hours north of me, Carolina, Tampa, and Florida. All those NHL teams are going to have to be finding new broadcast partnerships just so their fans can watch televised games. I mean, that is incredible that a, that a, a network that is so intertwined with some of the major sports that we have in this country, and some of them that are viewed you know worldwide, is now filing for bankruptcy. I mean... 
I don't even know how we got here with this. This is insane. I mean, what, like, I, I don't understand at all. What, what is your opinion on that, man? I think my opinion is if ESPN Plus doesn't jump on this relatively quickly, they're pretty stupid to not take advantage yeah. of some big-time markets. Not only in the NHL, but uh, this will affect the NBA. Um, same markets plus a couple others like Oklahoma City, like where I live right now. Um, it'll affect the MLB for sure, and it'll also affect college football and college sports. So this is massive. For them, I kind of feel like it went downhill. I didn't think Bally Sports was going to be a lasting thing since um, Fox Sport Fox sold their Fox Sports package to the Diamond Sports Group. I think it's Sinclair. Um, but for them to file for bankruptcy, I think they're close to $8 billion in debt. Yeah, something yeah, that's ridiculous like something that. ridiculous. Like, how did you even get that far? They're skipping payments uh, and trying to push payments out. They've already already said they're not going to make payments right now for some of the loans that they have coming up. Bankruptcies in the works. They're they're filing bankruptcy. It's just an incredible thing to have happen when you're so involved in so many different leagues. Like you said, college sports in general. Uh, LA is a massive market. Dallas massive market, you know, you're talking about, you know, if this hits the NFL is a massive market, you got the Southeast. Yeah. United States in general, like the Valley sports, uh, what used to be Fox sports pretty much covered a majority of all sports. Um, The markets, it didn't like Houston is in that AT&T sports net package along with some, um, along with the Pittsburgh market, the Seattle market, um, a couple of others. But for the most part, it's been dominated by Fox Sports for a, for a couple of decades now. And to just see it kind of collapse is – personally, it's saddening. But where I stand as a fan is how am I going to get my sports? How am I going to get my content? Yeah. Like I said, ESPN would be stupid not to jump on this. Oh, but yeah, for sure. ESPN, if they wanted to really – this could – be the beginning of the end of regional blackouts, which is long overdue anyway. So if ESPN plus signed a couple signed deals with those guys and it was those outlets that were specifically ESPN outlets, um, ESPN could pick up the contracts for the broadcast team and those guys in there, um, partner up with the teams themselves to broadcast those games. Um, You'd be starting to move more into streaming, which is where everything's well, going anyway. <laughs> it's going anyway, but it would really help. It would really help jump it quicker to streaming. Oh yeah. So I really feel like ESPN Plus is the way this is going to go. In my yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff moving on. I mean, like and since we were talking about different sports, I know I understand this is a hockey episode, but I mean, you think about like the Chicago Cubs cut their ties with CW and came out with their own network channel called the Marquee Network. You think about how like. Um, NFL Sunday Ticket was with DirecTV for so long, and now it's going to YouTube uh, TV and YouTube Premium. So it's going to be a streaming service as well. This is something that maybe even the NHL uh, is going to have to consider because a lot of the NHL ticket and a lot of the NHL, like uh, I think it's like a Ice or Ice Pass or something like that, where you can bu- purchase like and pass. get all yeah and get all the games. They 
bring tele- those televised games from some of these networks and present them through this package. And it's going to change the entire landscape of how you get your games because local te- your local televised stuff may stay the same and some of your like, you know, your, your cable or satellite packages may stay the same. But like you said, to not jump on this for a streaming package. And it wouldn't also surprise me if some of these teams, because they're in such, such large markets, depending on what some of the other TV deals for the teams that are in those areas, come out with their own channel, their own broadcasting stuff, similar to the Cubs. Now, obviously, baseball has a little bit more of a uh, market value than, than hockey. You can see that in player contracts, sponsorships, things like that. But at the end of the day, you could still do that and make your money. So it's really going to be a big deal to see how this goes and where it goes from here. Because obviously, you know, I don't get to watch a lot of my Bruins games being in Alabama right now as it is. And mm-hmm. if they were affected by this, you know, because if I got to watch maybe one or two a year and all of a sudden I don't get to watch my one or two a year anymore, I would lose my mind as a fan. This is a yeah. big deal. Yeah. But we'll go ahead. Sure. I mean, it's just it's it's frustrating to think about and luckily for y'all y'all have the Bruins have Nesson, so it yeah. wouldn't be affected by them. You don't yeah. have ESPN plus though? No, 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 I don't have ESPN plus yet. I, oh, I keep yeah. seeing it. I keep I should sign up for it. I know. I have the money. It's not that much. I could package it with my Hulu and Disney Plus. It's great. I love it. I can't watch oh. local news, but I can watch out of market stuff all the time. Like I can keep up with every team. It's it's worth your bu- it's worth your money, I promise you. Yeah. That. I might just do it after this podcast. I mean, it might happen right now. <laughs> you saying like moving on? Yeah. So something you presented to me, and I uh, I'd never really even thought about it, but my, much. But stadium series between the Canes and the Caps, the jerseys were released. All this this big uh, buildup is coming up to this team playing. Obviously, you think about you know all the things that are going on with the Hurricanes and and. Uh, capitals and and how this game's going to play out but i'm actually really excited about the stadium series you were telling me these jerseys are coming out i I meant to go look at them i haven't had a chance to but you know anytime that you release a specialized jersey i want it in my closet i don't even care if it's not a team i like (laughs) i want it in my closet so i may have to go get those and get one for myself but tell me some more about this matchup man I think it'll be – the matchup itself, I think it'll be pretty good. The Hurricanes are the top of the Metro division right now. The Metro is kind of going through a transition phase. Teams like Washington, Pittsburgh, um, Philadelphia, which can't decide if they want to be good or bad. I don't know. <laughs> kind of getting phased out in favor of newer, younger teams. Like the Rangers are resurging. They just came out of their retool. Um, the New Jersey Devils have been the surprise of the NHL this year. Um, and, of course, the Carolina Hurricanes, who have, I'd argue, the most solid team top to bottom in the entire NHL. There's no weakness. Um, on the, Maybe the Bruins? See, I know, but <laughs> them and They're Carolina older guys, I get it. as the best teams for me. Um, but Carolina, definitely a team to look forward as a Stanley Cup contender. Washington, less so just because they're an aging team. They're going to try to be competitive as long as they've got guys like Alex Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, um, John Carlson. Um, When those guys are gone, I could see them trading off pieces like Tom Wilson, Evgeny Kuznetsov. But the matchup itself, I anticipate both teams are going to bring their best. I know how the Carolina Hurricanes play. I watched them play the Stars twice recently. They come to play every night. They they really get after it on the ice from the puck, from the drop of the puck. They're a fun team to watch. Um, very tactical team. Uh, the Capitals, I don't know what to make of them. 
Um, I think they're a first round out this year, but you can't, I don't count out Ovechkin, just like no. I don't count out Sidney Crosby. I don't yeah, count those guys out until, um, until they're done. I learned my lesson yeah. last year when Sidney Crosby almost uh, carried the Penguins past the Rangers. So you can't really count those guys out till they're gone. The game itself going to be good. Uh, Carter Finley Stadium at, I believe, 8 Eastern on ESPN. But what I really like that the NHL does, like we mentioned in the last episode, we talked about the Winter Classic. The NHL has three outdoor games. I probably should have brought it up back then. But they have the Heritage Classic, usually held in Canada, at one of the uh, CFL stadiums or um, an outdoor venue out there. Um, They have the annual Winter Classic. They have the Stadium Series, which is usually the last of those set of games. And it's kind of just a throwback to where hockey was originally played. Um, I'm Obviously, the Winter Classic is my personal favorite, but the Stadium Series is pretty underrated. Um, One thing that the NHL did a couple of years back, they had had two games played at Lake Tahoe, just an outdoor ice rink overlooking the lake. They couldn't play it in the broad daylight because they couldn't see anything and it was melting the ice. So that was kind of unfortunate, but I really liked that idea. Like it, there weren't any fans there, but it was kind of like going out in the backyard playing hockey. I like that old, really, really old school type of feel. I feel like the NHL should definitely bring that back. If not, maybe try out a couple different venues, maybe rotate Lake Tahoe in there with three or four different venues that you rotate at every year. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to watch it. Um, maybe it'll make up for me missing most of the Winter Classic, but yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the whole Winter Classic. I loved it. That was probably uh, – it was a really good game this year. Probably one of my favorite uh, – like you said, the favorite – for me, it's always a Winter Classic. I always love to watch Winter Classic. I'm obviously wearing the uh, the Bergeron Winter Classic jersey right now. Love this jersey. I actually, I'm, I'm planning on buying the one from this year uh, for Marchand or Pasternak, and uh, going to buy that one probably this year here in, here in a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, at the bare minimum. That'll be in my closet before too long. I guarantee it. Uh, obviously, the stadium series, like you said, it, it may be the, the lesser known and doesn't get the hype it needs to get. But anytime there's outdoor hockey, I I love it. All right, and like you said, the roots of hockey, right? Because that's what it is for 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 the kids out there right now and everything like that. Just just going outside, getting on the ice, getting on some blades, just hell in your shoes, shooting at a net at the garage like the Mighty Ducks. All right, like <laughs> from the Disney movie. All right, any way you can sling a puck into a net, get outside, go do that, all right? Because that's how these guys did it when they were kids. That's how they're going to continue to do it. You can't always find an ice rink. You can find some time to play some some any type of hockey. Get out there and do it. But watch the stadium series. It's going to be a great game, like Ian said. Canes, Caps, 8 o'clock, ESPN. Be sure to be there. Check it out. You won't be disappointed because outdoor hockey is the best kind of hockey. Absolutely. Bar none. So... We already just mentioned the Bruins. Obviously, I'm wearing the Winter Classic. I just mentioned them as well. And we did. We mentioned them in the last episode, and I get it, right? No one wants to talk about the same teams week in, week out. Obviously, I'm a fanboy of the Bruins, so I love talking about the Bruins. I'll talk about the Bruins all the time. But that's not why we're talking about them, all right? We wouldn't be talking about the Bruins if they were middle of the pack. We wouldn't be talking about the Bruins if they weren't doing things fantastic. We wouldn't be talking about the Bruins if they weren't literally setting records on their way to the Stanley Cup playoffs, all right? They are the first 
team to reach 80 points as fast as they've reached them in NHL history. Olmark is the fastest in the modern era to 25 wins as a goalie. He's second all time. All right. That's insane. And I think like the second all time, the only person that beat him is from like 1929. <laughs> all right. So it's been almost a hundred years since someone, since someone's got to 25 wins that fast, he did it. But the question I have is, is if the Bruins don't win the Stanley, does it even matter? Does it even matter that they're setting these records? Does it even matter that he's the second fastest to 25 wins all time? Does it even matter that they're the fastest to 80 win or 80 points in NHL history? Does it even matter? Well, um, yeah, it definitely does matter. That'll just add to the Bruins are a very are one of the original six teams in the NHL. They have a ton of rich history. Um I despise Boston sports, except for the Bruins. I actually do like the Bruins. I love Patrice Bergeron. Um, I like David Posternock. I like those guys. I have a lot of respect for those guys. But um, this could be their best team that they've ever had record-wise. But um, I just don't know. See, the last example, and I brought this up last video too, I brought up the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning. That team was historically good, but they had their uh, records tarnished by getting swept in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team which, by the way, had never won a playoff series in their existence. And they're still the least successful team in the NHL. That's not to say they haven't had great players. It's just none of their guys have ever wanted to stay. Which, um, getting back on topic, I think if the Bruins are going to set all these records, um, they have to get to they have to win a cup. Yeah. It's copper. It's copper bust this year. This is the epitome of copper bust for the Boston Bruins or any team if they were setting these records like they were. But I think that adds an increased element of pressure to the Bruins. So look for them come playoff time. I wouldn't be shocked because um, what usually happens when teams win the President's Trophy, which is awarded to the best team in the regular season, they usually struggle come playoff time. Um, The last team to win the President's Trophy and uh, win the Stanley Cup, I believe, were the Chicago Blackhawks in 2013. And that team struggled in their first round series. Um, there's been very few teams to do it. I think the last three, the last four were the 2013 Blackhawks, 2008 Red Wings, 2002 Red Wings, and then the 1999 Dallas Stars. So, shout um, out Dallas. <laughs> shout out Dallas, of course. Um, but I think if there's any team that can, this is the one to do it. The Bruins have a very ta- uh, playoff-tested, battle-tested roster. Oh, got yeah, a guys lot of pedigree that, on that roster. Got a, got a couple of guys that have won a cup before with the Bruins. I'm talking about Bergeron, Marchand. Um, guys that have been to the final recently, like Pasternak, McAvoy. Um, Tory Krug's no longer on the roster, but um, I don't even think it would matter at this point. That team <laughs> is well-rounded, just stacked all around. I think if it's a team, I think this is a team that could break the President's Trophy curse, but you just have to see come playoff time. Don't yeah, I, don't tarnish your your records by losing in the playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm knocking on wood. I'm sitting here doing whatever I can to break any curse, any jinx, whatever I could possibly do. But I'm right there with you. I mean, you can talk to anybody who's ever done sports, anyone who's ever covered sports, anybody who's ever played sports, anybody who's ever, you know, played professional sports, whatever it may be, right? Records are all fine and dandy. But when it comes straight down to it, you could be the last team in win the Stanley Cup, and no one gave a shit what your record was. Because at the playoff, when the minute the playoffs start, you're 0-0 you're again, man. No one cares. If you're the first team in or the last team in, does not matter. Because it's 0-0. No one, gives, no one cares what you did in the regular season anymore. Exactly. Clean slate. Fan, yeah. And, and the President's Trophy is all fine and dandy, right? But you know what? That's no one cares. Yeah, no one, there's not pictures and videos of people skating around the rink with the President's Trophy in the air. The only thing you ever it. see, yeah, well, the only thing you ever see is the Stanley Cup over their head, screaming their damn head off, having a great time because they've won a championship. If they don't win, no one's going to care. Exactly. And that's exactly the way it should be because you can be the best team all regular season, you get knocked out in the first round. You don't make a Stanley Cup Finals. Didn't even matter. Nineteen and one Patriots. Boom. That's all you got to talk right there. Exactly. Great regular season team. Toasted it. That's why everyone says the nineteen seventy two Dolphins is one of the greatest sports teams in NFL history. Undefeated season, Super Bowl trophy. Exactly. Done. That's what it takes. Bruins don't do it. As a Bruins fan, I don't care that they set all these records. I don't care that they were the num- that they were the best team in hockey, because you know what? At the end of the day, if they don't have a Stanley Cup for this season, then they weren't the best team in hockey, and that's just the end of it. But exactly, that's how it should be. It is, it is, and there's people out there that are going to watch this and go, "How can you say that? You're a Bruins fan, and they're they're dominating everybody." I don't care. All right, no one in Boston. No one, no one who's watched the Boston sports teams gives two shits about, you know, division titles or or anything like that. It's championship or bust. The Red Sox don't care. The Celtics don't care. The Bruins sure as hell don't care. And the Patriots, go look at their championship locker. They don't care. It's championship or nothing. You can be the last team in in Boston. They don't care as long as you win the championship. That's all they care about. And that's all they'll continue to care about. And that's all I care about. You don't win the Stanley, Boston. No one's going to give a shit. And it's sad to say that. But you know what? It's true. It's kind of how it should be, too. Exactly. That's exactly true. But let's go ahead and move on. So we had discussed, another thing we discussed on our last episode was the All-Star Game coming up. And we had told, said, you know, the game itself is kind of just a little fluff. We're not really caring. No one's really trying because they're all trying to stay healthy so they can get back to their team so they can go out and chase that Stanley Cup. Because obviously, based on the last rant we just had, the Stanley's all that matters, all right? Getting to the All-Star Game, great individual award. Winning a Stanley Cup, immortalization. That's what people want. They want immortalization, right? You want to be remembered forever because you know what? When we look back 40, 50, 60 years from now, and you look at the Stanley Cup, and you're like, oh, hey, who won it in 2023? Who won it in 20, you know, 2020? Everyone's going to know that team and the roster. That's how it goes. But we said the big thing we were excited about in the All-Star Game 
was the skills competition. Did you see the new skills competitions they added in? Yeah, I did. What the fuck does it got to do with hockey? It's a gimmick. Play it is a gimmick. This is a fucking circus show now. Throw the a top hat, thing, big hat on it, man. It's just done. I'll give them the dunk tank could be used as a, as an accuracy shooting competition because the last time, the last couple of times they've done most accurate shooter has been just bad just because the electric targets they use don't always um, explode like they're supposed to when the player hits them. But at this point, it's turning into a gimmick. Golfer, I mean, hockey players are very notorious for loving their golf. So let them play golf. Don't bring it in here. Like, it's a gimmick. The lat, Like, in yeah. St. Louis, they tried shooting a bunch of targets from the top of the arena. It was stupid. Like, come on, NHL. Like, be better. Yeah. Just... Like you're seeing what the NFL's doing, you know, they're trying to match these other other sports leagues. But like you said, it has nothing to do with hockey. I don't care. They're mixed, and literally in the golf description, it's like they're going to mix hockey shots and golf shots on a par four, and whoever has whoever gets a better score wins. And I'm like, well, I don't care. I don't care if they golf. You and I golf on the weekend. We're not doing work. When I'm exactly. doing my job, this is not, it's not a vacation, bro. It's the all-star game. Do something fun. The dunk tank, my problem with the dunk tank is, you know where the only place I've ever seen a dunk tank? High school fundraisers and the goddamn carnival fair and circus. Yeah. That's it. There's never been a dunk tank anywhere else, all right? So the minute you do that, you might as well have those little water guns that shoot in the clown's mouth and the thing goes up and everything else because that's what it is now, man. You got a big top 10 out there. It's a fucking circus. And that's what you're doing. And it's, it's literally, there's a reason that no one watches the NBA all-star game anymore, because that's a joke. The NFL is trying to find some way to make their all-star game, anything worth relevancy to even consider watching because the all-star game is literally one of the least watched NFL games of the year. I mean, the only, the only really realistically, the only all-star game that anyone really cares about to watch it's the baseball all-star game and they like all the skills competitions for that. But the problem is, is that the baseball all-star game is so damn boring because each pitcher only gets four innings. So when they finally hit their stride, they're pulled for another guy. You don't see a lot of runs. You don't see a lot of hits. It's another baseball game, but it's still doing better than the other three major sports that exist here in the United States. So, I mean, NHL, they have so much, you have so much potential for the all-star game, right? There's so much potential. Like the 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 uh the hockey tan or the the goalie tandem thing that they're doing, I love that. I love it. The breakaway thing, I love it. I love all that stuff, right? The celebrity goalie for the breakaway stuff, amazing. I can't wait to watch those. The dunk tank, I'm not excited about. The golf thing, I'm not excited about. The all-star game in itself, I'm not excited about. I mean, you could do so many other things and yet it's just a waste of resources and time. And honestly, when I saw it, I just went like this in my chair. I was just like, what? Why? The only explanation I can come up with is the NHL is so good at punting away money. Like it's (laughs) laughable. Like we can get into it some other time, but they're so good at punting away their money to some of the dumbest stuff. And it's just, 
I could get into an in depth, but that'll take too much time. Yeah, um, yeah. Time for that. That's yeah. The way they waste it. money, we don't want to waste time discussing them wasting money. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. And money. Anyway. <laughs> so let's move on. This is something we want to do. Uh, we are going to discuss the the five best and worst teams in the NHL according to us. So, Ian, I want you to go ahead and give me your top five teams right now in the NHL. My personal top five from one to five, um, the Boston Bruins, number one, Carolina Hurricanes, number two, um, the Toronto Maple Leafs, number three, uh, barring an Austin Matthews injury. Um, Probably number four. I'd have the Dallas Stars, and number five, I'd have the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Winnipeg, all right. Reason being, um, I could give short explanation. Boston, we've been over them a bunch of times. Solid team throughout. Excellent defensive team, giving way to good offense. Carolina, there aren't any flaws in that lineup. Um, it's an extremely young team. The average age of that team is 24 years old, I believe. Um, very young, and they've got a very long shelf life. They play good. Um, a, they play an adaptable system, but it's also a system that you have to outwork them, which is extremely hard to do. Um, Toronto. Um, the only question I have for Toronto is, can they get out of the first round of the playoffs? For the love of God, get out of the first round of the playoffs. For <laughs> You've been, you haven't won a playoff series since 2004. And this is arguably your best collection of talent you've had since you had Doug Gilmore and Matt Sundin. Please do something. For once. <laughs> um, Your fan base is begging for it. <laughs> pretty much. They're begging for a playoff win. Win in game seven. How about that? Um, Dallas, um, they're an intru- They're quandary for me. Um, they've got a good mix of youth and veterans. Jason Robertson is an excellent, excellent player becoming a superstar player. Rope Hints, I've said it before, I'll say it again, most underrated, underappreciated player in the NHL, not not in Dallas, but outside of Dallas. Um, Joe Pavelski, um, best quote I heard is, Father Time is undefeated except when it comes to Joe Pavelski. Almost 40 years old, and he's still producing like a star in the league. Jamie Benn's having a resurgent season. Um he seems to have gotten his skating legs back. He hasn't been skating very well the last couple of years. I've been saying since 2019 he needed a change in a system that would give way to more offense. It seems like uh, the system under Peter DeBoer has been able to do that. Tyler Sagan has resurged, is on pace for, I think, a 25-goal season, um, which would be great. Um, the defense, Miro Haskinen, is a very good um, number one defenseman. I'd argue he's a franchise defenseman, and they play a solid team game around him. Jake Ottinger, very solid in net for them. Um, so one more guy, Wyatt Johnston, 19-year-old rookie. He's my age. Um, on pace for 20 goals this year. Um, so it's a special group of players. They've got a good prospect pool. I think it could give way to a bright future for them. But I don't have them making out of the West this year. I have them losing to Winnipeg in round two. Um, My number five team, actually, 
And that's because I like Winnipeg's team defense better. Yeah. Winnipeg as a whole, they didn't make any, very many roster changes this offseason. Um, but Josh Morrissey, their number one defenseman, has made a jump to potentially becoming a Norris Trophy candidate. Whether he wins it or not, I don't know. Um, probably as good as Eric Carlson's been, he plays for the Sharks. I don't see him winning that. Connor Hellebuck is back to stopping everything in his path for him. And they've got some good high-end talent with guys like Kyle Connor, veteran uh, Blake Wheeler, who seems to have gotten a fire lit under him after getting stripped of the captaincy, Mark Shifley, and Nick Ehlers. So watch the Jets going forward. I think whoever comes out, I think it'll be Dallas-Winnipeg in the second round against each other. And I think whoever wins that series ends up beating whoever comes out of the Pacific Division. Um, Pacific Division, not very strong this year. Seattle's a very good team. Um, but Winnipeg and Dallas, I, those are my top two in the West. And that kind of rounds out my top five. What about you? I mean, honestly, I liked every team you, you mentioned, right? There's one difference that I would put in there. And it's it's purely based on what I've seen from them, the the kind of runs they've been able to go on, their plus minus differential, you know, the way they're playing hockey right now. Uh, and that's the New Jersey Devils, man. I, I I think they belong in the top five. I really do. They're from a point standpoint, from a point differential standpoint, from the way they're playing hockey, the way they're playing games, the way they're playing hockey earlier in the year. I mean, this was a team that started off pretty hot and they've managed to maintain. I mean, they're I believe they're second right now in the Metropolitan behind the Canes, but they're only behind them by two points. I mean, you think about how close that is and how good the Canes are. We got the Canes. You said what, number two? two they're right two. on their... Yeah, so they're two in the entire league. They're one in the Metropolitan, and they're in the the Devils are right on them. Like you're talking, like the Canes lose a game, right outright, and the Devils win. Suddenly it's tied, right for right now. And so I'm a huge fan of what the Devils are doing right now. They're in my top five, man. They have to be, and I just don't know where to put them. I just like they're there. They and I feel like I got to the five in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I feel I, like I feel I like all about having them in there, but I just. There's one knock I have on them, and is it, do they play a playoff style of hockey? So they're very young. Uh, they built a good core with Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, and Dougie Hamilton. Vitek Vanacek's been a revelation for them. But I'd like to see what they can do in the playoffs. Um, if they went make it past the first round, I'll apologize to Devils fans. Um <laughs> You heard it but, here first. Apology may be coming, Devils fans. You just got to hope you make yeah, it out of the first round. I like the way they built their team better than I like the way the Toronto's built theirs. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a toss-up. We could revisit this next week or at the end of the season and uh, go from we'll there. We'll keep it tracking. We'll keep it tracking. I'll keep it up here. I'll keep it up here. My Devils dark pick, man. But let's go to the other end of the spectrum here, the bottom five teams in the league. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give you – for the standings, the bottom five teams. And I want you to tell me if you agree with them as being the bottom five. So that is the Blackhawks, the Ducks, the Blue Jackets, who you talked about, the Coyotes, and the Sharks. All these teams are under 40 points. Four of the five of them reside in the Western Conference. Do you think that those, as it's read, are the five worst teams in the league? Uh... The four Western teams, the Blackhawks, Ducks, Coyotes, Sharks, 
Yes, I think those are the four worst teams. I'd throw Vancouver in there. I think they're worse than the Blue Jackets. Have, but saying that, they beat the Blue Jackets last night 6-1. to one, So maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. I think the problem with – I could list off the problem with all five teams. Uh, the Blackhawks, they're old. They're going in a transition phase, phasing out guys in their old core like Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane. More than likely to be gone after the March 3rd trade deadline. Um, just they don't have very many um, high-end players on that team. Um, it really started after they won their cup in 2015. The collapse kind of started. They hadn't won a series since. Technically won a series against Edmonton in the bubble, but that was the qualifying round, so I don't really count it. Um, yeah. The Ducks, um, that's coaching. For me, that's coaching. Dallas Akins has – Dallas Akins wore out his welcome as soon as he was hired, in my opinion. He's <laughs> – Hasn't it's been, not an easy thing to do. I think the only person that's been able to do that more convincing maybe Urban Meyer. So, <laughs> so for me, he hasn't been successful anywhere he's gone. Um, the general manager that hired him is now gone. He doesn't have a job in the NHL. Uh, I think Pat Verbeek, the general manager, the current general manager of the Ducks, is trying to tank because we talked about it last week. Connor Bedard looks like a generational talent. Um, Oh, hey, but there's no tanking in the NHL. We don't tank. Of course not. According to, according ta- there's, to- there's, no tanking in, there's no tanking in professional sports. We don't tank yeah. to get good draft no, picks so we can get a generational talent. That's not what not. we do. Of course not. But, no, the Ducks, uh, they, have a, they have a bunch of good young guys. Uh, Mason McTavish, Troy Terry, um, Jamie Drysdale, um, uh, Trevor Zegers, that's the guy. Um, I don't know what they do about their goaltending, but mostly I think it's on coaching. None of their free agent signings have really been any good. Uh, John Klingberg has been the second coming of awful Rasmus Ristolainen. And his trade value has plummeted even further than what it was last year when he was in Dallas. Um, And it's just, I don't know what the Ducks thought they were getting in him. Imagine a turnover-prone defenseman being a turnover-prone defenseman on your team, it's not going to help you when you're already not very good. So moving on from them, I've talked about, I've talked about them enough. The Blue Jackets have just been unfortunate. They've been just a bunch of injuries this year. Um, obviously, signing Johnny Gaudreau in the offseason was huge. They can build around him and Patrick Laine. They're currently in the bottom. Uh, they're currently the worst team in the NHL right now. Um, they have the highest odds to draft a guy like Connor Bedard. I feel like a line of Connor Bedard um, centering Gaudreau and Line would be an absolute boon for them in the future. Plus, you've got guys like Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger, who I still am kind of high on. I like his game. I think he's very good. Um, put up 20 goals last year in his rookie season. Hasn't been that good this year. Hasn't been as good this year, I might uh, I'd like to say. And then you've got uh, Kirill Marchenko. And then you've got prospects like uh, David Juracek who haven't come up yet. Um, Elvis Corpusalo is a solid goaltender. I think their other goalie, or uh, no, I would, Elvis Corp, it's Elvis Merzlikens. Uh, I apologize. Corpusalo, Jonas Corpusalo is probably gone at the deadline for maybe a fifth or a fourth round pick. His trade value is not that high, but they've just, for the most part, gotten unlucky with injuries. But they have a, a semi-bright future as long as everybody doesn't leave again because that's been their problem, their entire history. Small market team, I 
maybe call it like the Oklahoma City of the NHL. It just they have to build. You have to draft. Um, and for the oh, most part, of hockey, their, man. <laughs> their stars like Panarin, Rick Nash have not wanted to stick around. Nash was a bit of a different situation. Nash wanted to play for a competitive team. Um, both of those guys ended up playing for the Rangers, but it's just been unfortunate. I really hope the Blue Jackets start finding some sustained success. Um, moving on to the Coyotes, we've known the Coyotes are rebuilding for a while. They're yeah, not, I mean, they don't even have a known stadium anymore. If I remember correctly, they're playing in no, what, playing Arizona ASU's State. Yeah, ASU Stadium. And which, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a nice arena. It's, it's, they're selling out, you know, but it doesn't seat a lot of people, you know. And oh, I mean, they're they want to keep them. They're but. filling it up with everybody else's fans. But, I mean, it's more fans than they've had in their own arena in the last decade and a half. So, yeah. I mean, for them uh, – just another year in the rebuild. They've kind of fallen off again. They've got good young players like Dylan Gunther. Um, they've got prospects like Logan Cooley. All these teams we're talking about are in the Bedard sweepstakes. Um, but I feel like if the Coyotes got him, and uh, then, now hear me out, if Austin Matthews wanted to leave Toronto and go to go back home to Arizona, because that's where he's from, it, I mean, one can hope, one can dream. I just want to see Toronto fans miserable again. Yeah, um, and Coyotes fans have some joy in their life, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, until they move the team to Houston, but that's a whole other topic. Um, so moving on from the Coyotes, not much to say there. The Sharks, they're the team here that's been kind of forced kicking and screaming into a rebuild. They signed Eric Carlson a couple years ago to an eight-year contract. Didn't look good to start out with, but he's bounced back to prime Carlson form, putting up um, borderline generational numbers. I think he's on pace for a 90-point season, which is nuts by a defenseman. We haven't seen that in a long time. Um, everybody else, though, I don't think Hurdle gets moved. Um, Tomas Hurdle, um, they signed him to a long-term deal injury prone, good power forward, but I just don't see him getting moved. The piece I see for them going is Timo Meyer, um, who's been rumored in trade talks for a while. I think he gets dealt to one of New Jersey or Toronto at the deadline, leaning towards New Jersey, considering their cap situ- situation. That's the kind of player they want. But uh, for the Sharks, they're just a mess. Like I wish that they that a team would take a guy like Logan Couture – their captain, very good playoff performer. He's a warrior. Give everything you want in a captain and just puts his heart and soul out there on the line for your team. But that's about all I've got for those teams. Like, what are your thoughts? I mean, honestly, I, the, I, I want to put the Canucks in there. I feel like the, I, I it's just the, – and it's not for what they put on the ice. It's not, it's not for the team or the players. It's the organization that I feel like that makes them in there. And realistically, they're not far off. They're the sixth worst team. The only reason they weren't listed is because we're talking top five. So we could easily put them there. And like you said, the, the, the Blue Jackets, they're a good team. They're just injury riddled. So it's like they're not a bad hockey team. I feel like they could easily move out of there. And the Canucks could slide right in. What do they want to this year? Do the Blue Jackets want to move out of that, though? Because then you can no. essentially – because if you get Connor Bedard, that could save your franchise. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, like, the truth be told, I mean, you know, like you said, the Blackhawks, 
there, there's going to be trades, right? Kane is probably going to waive his no trade clause to go to a contender at the deadline. There's going to be somebody out there who's like, Patrick Kane, come here. We'll let you run with us. We need some veteran leadership to really round out this team. We need a guy who's got some playoff pedigree. We want Patrick Kane. He's going to wave his no trade clause and go on. Blackhawks are going to be for a complete rebuild mode, right? He's got to dump, completely sell, commit to the sell and go. A lot of these teams got to commit to the sell and sculpt and go. I mean, that's how it is in a lot of sports is that you have these guys who want to try to, you know, like hold on for dear life to these stars of, of, of championships past or playoff performances past. And the problem is, is that why it's all fun and good to be nostalgic. This is a business. If you're not winning exactly. championships, you're not doing your stuff. And a lot of these teams fall into that category, unfortunately. And like you said, most of them, they're tanking for Connor Bedard. And Connor Bedard, they're hoping, is going to be a generational talent that completely revolutionizes their franchise the way Austin Matthews has done in, in Tampa or in uh, Toronto and, and how all everything's gone. You know, it's it's they're all looking for that one guy who can just take seen, over a game. I haven't seen a player, I haven't seen the hype around a player as high as fever pitched as this since Connor McDavid. So that could be another factor as to why these teams, I, there's two teams that don't deserve him. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know if you read about the scandal that went through that organization a couple years ago with, um, that resulted in Joel Quinville being fired from the Panthers. Uh, look it up. Um, I'll check it out. Check it out. Uh, written. The whole thing was documented by a guy named Rick Westhead. Um, it was a sexual assault scandal. One of their players was sexually assaulted by a video coach uh, wow. during their 2010 Stanley Cup run. Um, that coach um, then went on, got a letter of recommendation from the Blackhawks to go coach a high school hockey team and then ended up sexually assaulting one of the boys on the team. Jeez. So it was an awful situation. That's With everything that's been going on there, Like the players knew about it. The organization knew about it. Um, that's a stain on, on one of the original teams in, in, in hockey, too. I mean, that's, that, that's that, something that you don't dynasty, want. That dynasty, it's tarnished now. Like, they're oh, not going to. For sure. They aren't going to. Penn that State level then. stuff there. With the Canucks, I just. Build your team right. For the love of God, build your team right. Like, <laughs> they want to be competitive, and they, they just can't be. They haven't built it right. They're too easy to play against, in my opinion. Elias Pettersson is maybe the only guy you hang on to. They've committed to JT Miller long-term. That's not an option to move him. They just signed Andre Kuzmenko to a two-year deal. You maybe move on from him in a year and a half. I don't know, but I think guys like Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes, and uh, potentially Thatcher Demko are all gone relatively soon. So that's the only two teams that I'd say don't deserve them. I also just don't like Canucks ownership, and that's yeah. they've run the team into the ground since 2011. That loss to Boston in the finals broke them. Yeah. Well, that's all we got here today at the House Call Crease. Obviously, we love you guys tuning in. Be sure to comment and like on this video, share it in your social media, get us out there. Let them know that we're talking 
big hockey stories here at the House Call Podcast on the crease. I'm Joe. That's Ian. You see the stuff scrolling below. That first link you see, that's our merch store. It's also got a link on our website you can follow to that merch store. But if you want to just go straight to it, it's the society6.com forward slash the House Call Podcast. That has all of our merch there on it. The other thing you see scrolling below, that's the liquid IV code. You can get 25% off your first order on anything that you order using that code. So go to liquid IV, get yourself some hydration stuff, get yourself some gear and uh, save some money while you're doing it. The other link down there, we have some affiliates here at the house call. Obviously we've talked about having StubHub. You can go to a sporting event, a concert or a theater uh, play or something like that. And you can get tickets for as low as $6 on StubHub. Use our affiliate link uh, from our website, which is scrolling below to go to StubHub and do that. We also have sportsmemorabilia.com. If you want to get yourself some authentic sports memorabilia, like, I don't know, maybe a Bruins goalie mask like I got here, fully functional. It's got the oh, chin strap. Fully Love it. Love it. Love it. You can get stuff like that from sportsmemorabilia.com. Same place. Go to our website, thetechhousetechcall.com forward slash affiliates, our affiliate page. All of our stuff's there. And we want to give a big shout out to our newest affiliate. That is Fubo TV. Whether it's sports Live sports, whatever it may be, Fubo TV's got you covered with all the major networks, all the major sporting events, and all the biggest games right there on Fubo TV. Use our link, help support the brand, go get yourself some merch, stay hydrated, and we'll see you here next time on the House Call Crease. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the House Call Podcast. I'm here with my man Joe, and we're talking all things Brick House, all things NBA here today. We're talking about some LeBron James scoring chase. We're talking about a